Hi, I'm a Ross. And I'm a Wizzy. Boy, gee willikers, I sure do love My Little Pony. It's okay, in the written form. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you didn't like reading. I think reading is a sin. Wizzy, surely you can't be serious. No, seriously. I believe reading is an act against God. No, I mean about My Little Pony. Oh. Well, don't get me wrong. My Little Pony is fine and all. But there's just so many other things I could be doing. Name one thing you could be doing. Reading. Okay, well name five more things you could be doing. Eating. Sleeping. Drinking. Not watching My Little Pony. Exercising. Okay, well, name eight more things. Socializing, playing with my Legos, contacting the dead, celebrating President's Day, establishing a colony on Mars, baking, being gay, reading My Little Pony fanfiction. Wait, what? Ross and Wizzy's Fanfiction Power Hour. Every week on wherever the hell you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. This is your Wednesday show. And I hope you guys had a good Labor Day weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the Monday show. And today, as if you paid attention to the last week, wait, last week. And by the way, note about last Wednesday show. It did drop on Thursday. I don't know. This time it wasn't my fault. Before in the past, like I've put the wrong date when I'm uploading the show or something. So it was like a month away. Actually, it was really weird. So when I uploaded the show, because I uploaded both the Monday and Wednesday show at the same time. And when I uploaded it, it was really weird because it wanted me to put October 1st, 2021, not September 1st. So I put it in, and I noticed that changed it to October 1st. So I went in, re-edited the show. I did it twice, actually. And so then it said September 1st. So cool, boom, boom, boom. So then I realized I didn't really get a reaction on Instagram. Usually I have someone in my DMs saying... Hey, man, you got this wrong. Or, hey, man, that was cool. Or get something in the email. So I get something, some kind of reaction, right? And I got nothing. So Wednesday was just, I was all over the place, right? So I was just kind of like, all right, cool. I'll get, when I get home, I'll check to see if it's out. So I said, I don't need to wait till I get home. So I went on Spotify, see the show was out, and it wasn't. I said, you know what? I guarantee you that thing changed it back to October 1st. So when I went, if I got home Thursday, morning i checked it sure if i said october 1st so i just kind of just did it so i just had to change it to make it public now and whatever's fine so sorry for the delay but we do definitely have wednesday show i did not definitely did not miss a day it just came down to it was just you know technology is great when it works right so but no worries i, I do want i do want to acknowledge it because some people did say oh wow you were late today actually i wasn't um it, it, and even then, it's because it's, it's funny. Because even where, where I uh, where, where I even uh, upload my stuff, it said September first. So I don't know. But anyways, today we're talking about Shang Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. My review, um, a movie I've been excited to and waiting for. Um, I've, I'm actually as I record this, I'm actually I've actually only seen it once. I'm actually gonna go see it. On Labor Day Day, I'm recording this on Sunday, the day before, September 5th. So September 5th. Um, but my first reaction from it was it's fantastic. As a standalone origin story, um, man, it's up there. It's up there for me. I, since I'm giving you my first reaction right now, I'm gonna say it's tied with Iron Man for a great standalone origin story. Um, because I don't see any flaws in it. I just don't like 
yeah, obviously, if, if you're not a comic book fan or if you're a, a super fan of, like, just the panels and not really necessarily going to pixels or whatever, then, yeah, I understand, like, you, the, the Ten Rings really had nothing to do with Shang-Chi and uh, when Mu was actually not his father, it was Fu Manchu and Mandarin wasn't... Yeah, fine, but I'm we should be used to... MCU kind of changing things the way they need to be to fit their narratives, to fit the proper characters in. So I, I, that stuff doesn't bother me. It actually never did bother me. And, you know, if anyone doesn't believe me, you can ask Jonathan Esther. That stuff never actually did bother me. But um, I, I have to, I have to put it up there with with one of the better origin stories, standalone origin stories. Like I don't, I, I think to me the top three of the origin stories are like standalone origin stories, and reason why I, I wouldn't put this in any order, but I'm going to say my thing. Obviously, Iron Man, because it actually kicked everything off properly. Then Shang-Chi, then Black Panther. Black Panther, only reason that, that I would put that in that order, if I had to put it in order, air quotes and door, air quotes, excuse me, door, air quotes, is because Black Panther was introduced in Civil War first. So it was exciting to see him. And obviously, it was exciting to see Wakanda. But like no one else was introduced that way and didn't have origin story in my opinion i can't think of anyone um yeah because like yeah because everyone who had origins or an actual origin story wasn't introduced somewhere first that, that, not that i got recall, recall um but anyways um let's get into it so first of all uh the way it starts off i love the way it starts off with you seeing it's, and, and Kevin Feige said something like it was like in the previews or whatever he's like we're going backwards and move forwards I love how we have to go backwards to see the Legends of the Ten Rings and we don't even see where the Mandarin actually gets them you know we just see that hey he was a conqueror he dominated and and, um, and, you, and then you have this love story mixed in but <coughs> usually excuse me I usually have mine like where love stories just kind of stop this love story didn't stop the movie and the love story is so important to not just the growth and evolution of the Mandarin, but to the entire family. You know, like uh, I, I was watching New Rock Stars pre, uh, review of it, uh, Eric Voss, and he made a good point. Mandarin is probably the heart of the story. You know, similar to uh, Killmonger, Mandarin is a very important part of the story. Because everything revolves around him and how he makes his children feel and how he makes his wife feel. He made his wife feel so good to leave Talo, you know, which means she left her powers. And even though she f- encouraged him to leave his past behind, which he had, there were still consequences for things he had done, you know. But anyways, it, to me, I love how the flashbacks also don't ruin the movie. We're going to be all over the place. You guys know how I do, how I do reviews. Just, just whatever. But to me, the flashbacks were purposely put in the right place, perfectly, not perfectly, perfectly put in the right places to add depth to that particular moment in the story. And I loved it. And it's something that I'm currently doing on my run with Messina. And yes, I have heard you guys. You guys want me to do uh, talk about the current round uh, story with Messina. And I will get to that. Uh, I'm thinking within a month. Me and Nico are going to actually record volume two of Criminal which should drop sometime this month as well. Um, so we have a lot of content coming on Wednesdays. Wednesdays will not be slow. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I love that the, the, flash, and the flashbacks weren't big and elaborate. It was like a shroom flashback. It was just subtle, you know. Um, <clears throat> I, obviously, one of the first fight scenes we see is 
first of all, we see <clears throat> Shang-Chi picking up in San Francisco 10 years later after he runs away, and you think he can't kill uh, the person that he was sent to kill. He ends up, we find, end up finding he, uh, he does, but then you kind of see the relationship between him and Aquafina's character, and you see that it's just a friendship, you know? But you see that they're very much still finding themselves and they're, they're parking cars at a hotel and they're doing karaoke and just, you know, just living their lives. But some people would say wasting their lives away, you know? And um, the, I think the dynamic between all of the characters and all the cats was perfectly set up. <clears throat> um, I don't know the real name of the mother in this story, but she's absolutely gorgeous, stunning. Um, and, but she did a wonderful job of uh, helping to bridge everybody to where they needed to bridge, you know? Um, and then the first part scene you see is that bus scene, which was amazing. <clears throat> Everything about it was... <clears throat> there was like two to three different parts of that fight scene. <clears throat> the reluctant part from Shang-Chi the defensive part from Shang-Chi, and then once Aqua Phoenix character had to take over the car or the bus, then the fighting side of Shang-Chi. Now you see the <clears throat> where he is the most dangerous person in the MCU uh, fist-wise. And, um, and then you see Razor Fist, um, which we never near hear, we never hear his name said. We see his car later on that they steal, and it has Razor Fist on it, but we never actually hear him called Razor Fist. Um, but anyways, that that fight was awesome, um, everything about it, and then it's revealed to Aquafina's character who he is, part of who he is, so then he says, he says well, I gotta go, I got have to go see my sister. And they're coming after him because he has his pendant that his mom gave him, where Razor Fist snatches the pendant, but then he goes for his, goes to his sister deeper in San Francisco, where you see this fight club, and, um, he's going there to warn her about his, uh, getting her, her, her pendant. And so that's when we see the scene with Abomination and Wong. And uh, from I was reading a comment from the director. He said that Tim Roth actually did come in and voice, do some voice type of stuff for Abomination. So, yeah, even though we only saw Abomination for all of a minute, which is funny, like, when we saw him in the trailer, someone had said, it would be funny if we only see, like, a minute of Abomination. Like, that was just a setup. It was one to remind you he's still in the MCU and he, and we already know from date this is announced uh he's going to be in She-Hulk. You know, it's already announced that Mark Ruffalo is going to be in She-Hulk. So, we already knew he was coming back, but this was just to remind you and actually update you on what's going on with him. And even though it's like we don't know much, we know that like him and Wong are in this fight and Wong's like, "Oh, you want to like, he hits Wong really hard." And Wong gets up and says, "Oh, you want to hit me? Let me show you how it feels." <coughs> Excuse me, we guess we go on. Um, and um, he does he does the same trick he did with uh, who was it? It wasn't Corvus. It was the big one. I can't remember when he did. It was, it was in uh, what was it? Not Endgame, uh, Infinity War. But he essentially does a he puts a portal in there. So when Abomination swings, Abomination hits himself. So then Wong opens up a portal and says. Hey, now you know how it feels. Now we can work on your punches again. But if you look in the force field or the, uh, or the portal, excuse me, you see like this containment area that he's sending abomination to. So like he's not free, but like Wong is more connected in the MCU. Like like 
I it's very it's so cool how they have managed to if you, if you look at secondary characters, right, at one point in time. Now Bucky and Captain are not secondary characters. But when Falcon was Falcon, he was in Ant-Man, right? So you have a cameo from Anthony Mackie in Ant-Man. Bucky was in, only just in the Captain America movies. And then he was in the last two Avengers movies, right? Um, he was mentioned in Avengers Age of Ultron. But um, what ended up happening was... If you look at them, they got uh, <clears throat> a little attention by being in that. But honestly, it was, they've done so much better as evolving as with the secondary characters to show how they are important to the overall uh, <clears throat> see, I, a sense of MCU. Now, you could just say they threw Wong in there because he's Asian. But that's cool, too, if that's how you feel. I'm not going to knock you. But to me, we see Wong in Spider-Man Far From Home as well. You know what I'm saying? Even though I guarantee you it's the only scene he's going to be in. We might be in another scene when he comes back and says, I told you not to do a spell or whatever, right? And by the way, the reason why we're not talking about that trailer is because that is the most underwhelming trailer of all time. Everything, you guys kept asking for this. I, yes, I'm blaming the fans for this. You guys kept asking for this thing. They just gave you what you already knew. They gave you the fact that Doctor Strange is in the in the movie, which we already knew. They gave you, hey, Doc, here's a teaser. Doc. Alfred Molina was already uh, announced as being in it. Him and Jamie Foxx were announced as being in it. Like, these other people like Charlie Cox and Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, none of them have been announced as being in this movie. None of them have. None of them have. So we're not going to give you that. They're, they're so not giving you that. So whoever accidentally leaked that trailer probably got fired, one. And two, they just did you guys no favors. So, so you guys, so everyone's breaking his records of watching this trailer. For what? You didn't see anything. Anyways, rant over. <clears throat> so, to me, it just shows how important someone like Wong is and how he is out there doing something well. Doctor Strange is doing something as well. Strange can't always be around, so you get, you can still get the connection, you know. So, but anyways, in that portal, you see a containment area. It's really fast, but it's not really fast actually because he's like, if, he, if he's looking at, he's looking at him. But I mean, like, if you're not paying, if you're looking at too busy looking at Abomination and how he looks now, the updated Abomination, you lose track of that portal and what's inside the portal. If that makes any sense. Anyways, um. So that was pretty cool. Then you end up having Shang Chi come in, and he has he signed his contract to, to fight or whatever. And so it ends up seeing his sister, who's now obviously really angry. He left her behind. Um, he's being super defensive. He's not even being offensive with her. He's just saying, "Hey, can you please stop hitting me." Blah blah blah. <clears throat> then they end up stopping the fight, which Shang Chi, I guess, technically loses. Air quotes. No air quotes. You can't see me doing air quotes. And so then he he gets dressed. He and, and first of all, it was funny. Aquafina did. Uh, better against him, which is hilarious. But um, you know, having this conversation, you see that there's tension there from her, him leaving her from behind when he ran away, and you find out that she ran away, and that she's the one running the Fight Club. And then they realize that when uh, the manners people come for them, that it was a setup that he she didn't send a postcard and whatever. Um, so then the manners people come, and then they leave. Uh, 
his sister leaves him and Aquafina. So then he has to kind of go out the window and and this gave me all sorts of Jackie Chan vibes. And turns out that this was very much inspired by the stunt coordinator for Jackie Chan. Like everyone knows Jackie Chan did his own stunts. But like he had a stunt coordinator. I said, hey, you should do this, do this, and this. And apparently this guy passed away. So rest in peace to him. I didn't I don't know his real name. But as, I remember seeing this. I said, oh, this was definitely inspired by Jackie Chan. Like I just could see Jackie Chan doing everything that uh, Shang-Chi did in this. Which is obviously crazy knowing that Shang-Chi didn't do his own stunts. But like you could just see the, the inspiration from it. <clears throat> so anyways, um, this is another cool fight scene. And I love how when he, he's holding back. And his sister calls him out. She's like, hey, did America make you soft, you know? And you see, but you still see how lethal he is, even though he's mainly being defensive. This entire time, <clears throat> he's only been on offense one time. And then, all of a sudden, that's when you have the one and only fight scene that you really see standing alone with Death Dealer, which is a cool fight scene. And right, and right before he's about to, he has a knife on him, Shang-Chi does, right before he's about to stab him, you have uh, the banner and hit him with the ten rings. And that's when you have the reveal of the Mandarin. And he's like, I told my people they couldn't kill you if they even tried. I'm, so, I'm, I'm glad you proved me right. He says, let's go home. Because now they have dependents and everything like that. So they bring him home uh, to his compound, the Ten Rings compound. And um, they're clear there with, you know, they don't want to be there. And then that's when you see why he wants dependents. But then he takes them to dinner. Uh, or he has dinner with them. He says, hey, it's time, your time to be by my side. I gave you ten years. And he says, I never lost track of you guys. And um, they are, and then the Mandarin, the real Mandarin explains how uh, America was fooled by an orange, a fake Mandarin, and which, which is a great callback to something that I didn't even see coming, <clears throat> which was the reveal of, Tre of Trevor. You know, they, they brought Ben Kingsley back to reprise his role, and he actually had a really pivotal role in this movie, one like him and Aquafina actually played bigger roles than I expected. Which honestly, reason why to, to me this makes a strong, strong origin story is the supporting characters. One thing we always have a knock on is the women not having an important part of it. <clears throat> Even in Doctor Strange, <clears throat> excuse me, um, his supporting like Rachel McAdams was in the movie for ten minutes. F that, and they were fighting most of the time. You know, Pepper Potts is very crucial to Iron Man. It's clear Aquafina is crucial to Shang-Chi. I can't remember her name. Um, so so sorry about that, but we, we know what I'm talking about. Anyways, um, so you end up seeing like the uh the penance and what they the penance actually lead to Talo. And he ends up having these voices in his head, the Mandarin, which tell him, Hey, I'm in Talo, they're holding me captive. And so you see how this gate's going to open to Talo. But um, Shang-Chi and his sister are not about it. So they end up getting locked up. But then the sister who had escaped before has the same way of escaping. But this is when they find Trevor. And Trevor finds one of these... I don't even know what to call it. I know it's in Chinese mythology. Uh, but it's their version of a chicken flurking, essentially. Um, I can't remember the name of it, though. And I don't really want to do research right now while I'm on the air, personally. Um, cause I'm kind of on the roll right now. Look at me. Um, <laughs> but, um, this thing is saying, Hey, I know how to get you guys home. He's, he's, it can only talk to Trevor cause it's been locked up with Trevor, Trevor for the longest time. So they end up stealing Razor Fist's car and they drive away and they get away and they, and Mandarin doesn't know where they're going. He just knows that he's going to, he's going to attack Ty Lowe in three days. So they end up finding it thanks to the flurking or whatever. Uh, and <clears throat> excuse me. And, 
um, Trevor, this is, this is, Trevor plays a huge part here, you know, so they get there, and, uh, as soon as they get out of the car, that, or as soon as they drive through Tylo, you see a bunch of these different mythical things in Chinese, uh, lore, and it, it, the colors are beautiful, um, it just looks magical, but it looks in a, in a, a good magical, so they end up stopping the car, and they're getting out the car, saying, hey, we're here to warn you guys, and then, uh, they stand there having weapons pull them. Hey, you guys need to go. And that's when it's revealed that the aunt says, hey, what are you guys doing? This is their kids. This is her, uh, her my sister's kids. And um, they welcome all of them in. And um, she ends up touch, talking to the chicken flirting. And she's like, hey, um, welcome home. Look who found his way home. You know, um, um, just a bunch of cool, different cool stuff, how this was. And then you know, we end up seeing Talo. We end up getting more of a history of Talo, you know. Like to me, the runtime of this movie is like what, like two hours? I think it was a great two hours. It it never felt like it was overstaying its welcome. Every scene felt like it was perfect in timing, if that makes any sense. Like nothing felt like it overstayed its welcome. Um, so to me, that was awesome. And you get, you still get to understand what Talo is without being shoved down your throat because i just don't think too many adventures are going too many more adventures will happen there i think what happens in this movie will it will will be the cause of some problems and then the aunt reveals to them that no what's behind this what thing we're protecting is it's essentially it's not fing fang foom but it's something similar i can't remember the, the character's name in the comic books but it's something similar to that but it's, it's more powerful right and it takes souls that's what she's saying the only thing that's powerful enough to break it open is the ten rings which is why it's calling to him many people have come trying to kill uh knock it out but we have to kill them because they you know we can't let this happen we can't let this thing get out and so they call this this just dragon the great protector which hasn't been awoken in forever so anyways you did end up, end up seeing more of it, you see how uh, Aquafina's character is now being dragged around and how she's learning how to use bow and arrow, which is important for later. You see uh, Trevor doing classes for teaching and the sister then being able to train because the aunt's like, no, here, you, everyone can train equally. You know, so she knows what's going on in their, her niece and nephew's life. So she's able to train freely and not feel left out, you know. And then you see the struggle that Shang-Chi has and he's like, I I've killed before. I, I have to kill again. I have to kill him. He won't stop. And you see, and he goes to his aunt and says, hey, she was the only one that can beat him. Show me how to beat him. And so you just see, like, in that first, air quotes, fight scene between the mom and Mandarin, it was so graceful. I know I know it's a different type of uh, fighting style, but it was so graceful, so smooth. And also it comes out that Apparently, one of the fight coordinators here was on the Matrix. No, not for, it was a, it was the cinematographer. He did work on the Matrix, and you can see it too. Like when they're they're shooting the ten rings, and you see the slow motions and stuff. It was obviously inspired by that. Anyways, um, it's 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 smoother. It's it's like listening to classical music or some or yeah, classical music, Beethoven or something, and it's you know something like that. As opposed to just constantly just boom, boom, boom. It's a different flow to it, whatever. So, um, the big fight scene happens where uh, the Ten Rings show up and they're going to take over. So, they're all start. So, the, 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 the huge fight starts. And this has to last about 30 minutes or so of the movie. And 
Um, the first time they, they battled Shang-Chi and the Mandarin, Shang-Chi's trying to fight Mandarin the way he was trained, which is not going to work. So Shang-Chi essentially gets hit, nailed with the Ten Rings into the water, and Mandarin thinks he's dead. So then he goes up to this 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 uh, uh, tower, uh, tower or whatever. He starts nailing this wall. He starts freeing these soul, soul takers or whatever. And then uh, in the water, you see Shang-Chi has awoken the Great Protector. So as these soul takers are coming out, <clears throat> the people of Talor is telling Ten Rings, we need to work together. The only weapons that will go against the Soul Keepers are their weapons. So Razorface is like, you think we're stupid, blah, blah, blah. So then one of the Soul Takers gets Death Dealer and sucks his soul out and and uh, and grabs Razorface. And Razorface then is saved by one of the people from Talor. He's like, we need to work together, <laughs> you know? And um, then they do work together uh, to start fighting off these soul keepers. Meanwhile, the chicken flirting thinks that Trevor's died. His, his friend, right? Trevor's like, hey, mate, you need to stop. Get down and pretend like me. And it, and it does, which is hilarious. Um, and then uh, as all this is going on, the, the, the great protector comes out of the water with Shang-Chi. The aunt tells him, you need to stop him from doing this. So then uh, Shang-Chi drops down. And then that's when the second part of their fight happens, where now Shang-Chi has embraced his mother's style, the Talo style. And then now the rings are going from a blue to any time the Mandarin shoots him at Shang-Chi. It's a, it's an orangish color, which is different, you know, which is, uh, I feel like it, a blue is supposed to, I guess it's supposed to be more violent. That's what they use for is to where it's used for more grace and more, uh, uh, less violent with his way. And so now you have five of the rings attached to Shang-Chi, five of them attached to the Mandarin, and Shang-Chi said, hey, you're she's not behind there. Something else is behind there. But your family needs you. And then the, the, the I'm just going to say Fing-Fang-Foom, even though it's not what it is. The Fing-Fang-Foom character comes out now, finally has been released, right? And it's too late because now he's done so much damage that it's out. So now it grabs the Mandarin, and the Mandarin has all 10 rings and he realizes that he is ready to go it's time for him to go he releases the 10 rings to his son so now they go from blue and they go and they attach themselves to uh shang chi and uh that's when the soul taker fing feng foom takes mandarin and kills him well some soul takers are still coming out so shang chi has to <clears throat> uh take a uh, kill the hole first that sounds probably nasty. Let's think of a different way to put this. He has to seal the hole first, which he does. And then he jumps on the Great Protector. And him and his sister are on there. And they're fighting this thing and that. But it's, it's so powerful because it's taking so many souls. And, and the only way to do it is to really hit his throat, which Aquafina is able to do. Um, but there's another point where it just everything, every callback was so important because now the soul keepers have the sister and she's like, you have to let go. You have to let go. He says, I'm not, you can see it coming. You knew he was going to say, I'm not letting you go again. I'm not leaving you behind again. But it, to me, every callback was so important, even though it was clear that's where they're going. It was so important because it's like, that's just where it needs to be. You know, it was just at perfect timing. So he, so he ends up grabbing her or whatever. And so Aquafina makes the luckiest shot of her life right in the throat. So now, then Shang-Chi has to do his part where he throws uh, the, the Ten Rings inside of the, the mouth of the great of the 
Fang Fan Foom character, and he ends up doing like this Dragon Ball Z finisher. Uh, I can just imagine Dragon Ball Z on a meme or on a YouTube video, and it says finish him, you know, with a mix of Mortal Kombat stuff, and he does it, and it kills um, the character, and he ends up landing or whatever with the Ten Rings, and um, we end up getting um, this part where they all come at peace with, like, or they call, all come to realize the loss of life in Talo. Even though this thing is dead now, it's no longer a threat, who knows what else has been opened up? right and so it's just one of those things where it's just like okay cool um and that led to the very end of the movie where aquafina and shang chi are talking to their friend and they, they're telling them this whole story and they don't believe him and that's when wong opens a portal and says i need to talk to you guys it's important and then they go through the portal and that's it then we have the post-credit scene let's talk about the second post-credit scene first the second post-credit scene you have the sister who we were told was at the compound dismantling the 10 rings. No, she made the 10 rings more updated. Now you have the compound looking like the fight club graffiti all over the place. Now women are training with men. And then at the very end, it says the 10 rings will return. I don't know what that means, but that sounds freaking terrifying. One, two, you have someone now who has a mix of, women and men who are just as lethal as the mandarin if not more lethal without the ten rings because they can work in unison and actually have a purpose like it's just that sounds terrifying but then you go to the main post credit scene which is fire as the kids would say you have wong studying the ten rings and asking where they got him from and they tell him hey we got him from like a, we think our dad got him from a thousand years ago and blah 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 it sounds like their dad we still know where they come from. We don't know what they're made of. But it sounds like the dad didn't... The dad just found them. It sounds like he didn't take them or whatever, right? Which, once again, we don't know what the man had them uh, with them. But then it's revealed that you have freaking Captain Marvel there in that same setup that they had in Endgame, that they, that they have that VR, that virtual, like, phone call they're doing. You have Captain Marvel there. First time we've seen her since Endgame with her long hair again. And Bruce Banner back in Bruce Banner form, except he has that sling still on. So this is clearly like still right after the snap. So like one, how did he become Bruce Banner again? Two, that snap really effed him up, you know? So then Captain Marvel talking about it's not Chitauri, it's not Vibranium, the Ting Rings. So then Captain Marvel says, I gotta go. Bruce has my number. And Bruce is like, yeah, I don't have her number. She always does that. And he says, hey, welcome to the circus. So now you've officially gotten the invite for Shang-Chi to be the next Avengers. Essentially, that's what they just essentially called him in the, <laughs> an Avenger. Um, but that post-credit scene was fire. The rumors were true. The one thing I read about this movie before was that the post-credit scene had people going crazy. And it is because it has so many questions. Like, Captain Marvel's here. That's cool, right? Where has she been? But now you have Hulk. You have... And his thing, right? I didn't know how they were going to do it. Because I didn't know how they were going to have... Because he's... Mark Ruffalo's announced to be in a, a She-Hulk. I was like, are they going to have a... How, how much of a budget are these TV shows? Because they're going to have... like thing, They're going to have Professor Hulk walking around talking to She-Hulk. You know? I kind of figured they were going to have to change him back to Bruce Banner... To talk to his cousin, because we're going to see the transformation into freaking She-Hulk. She's not going to start off the movie, uh, the, the TV show as She-Hulk, right? 
but we we see what happened, and now maybe we'll get more answers. Because essentially, this is now setting up She-Hulk. You have two characters that are going to be in She-Hulk, and like this essentially is a bridge to She-Hulk to the Marvels. Um, and now we know for sure that Wong, Doctor Strange, Bruce Banner, and Captain Marvel all know about Shang-Chi and all know about Ten Rings. So um, that post-credit scene was worth it. The wait was worth it. I'm hoping that you guys go out and see this movie the next couple weeks because based on how this movie does, it could affect the Eternals and Spider-Man. So even if you're not a fan of, of Shang-Chi, please support this movie. It will help us get to the next two movies this year. With the Delta virus happening, with the Wu Delta, well, the Wu version coming, or around, and we're here at Labor Day weekend, so we're gonna have a bunch of super spreader events. Like, it's important if you're a fan of Marvel and the MCU, go see this movie. It will affect if we see the next two this year, and if we're able to get Eternals, there's no way they're not putting Spider-Man because people will risk it all for Spider-Man. We already know that, but we have to get there. Please support this movie. Please go to theaters. Please don't bootleg it. It is worth the wait. It is worth it. It is fan-fucking-tastic. Trust me, people. So, anyways, that's my review. A much longer review than usual, but you guys... Uh, but I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, that is Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. I am Soul Chemical. This is your Wednesday show, and we are out.